You're listening to Just a Pinch Podcast with Injector Kristen. Join me and industry experts as we discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the aesthetics, wellness, and fitness industries. All right. Hello, hello. What's up? Good to see you. It's been a long time. It's been some years, I think, man, right? I know. It's been years. Welcome to Just a Pinch Podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. You're my first fitness guest, yes. uh, which is something I totally wanted to incorporate into um, this whole podcast with my listeners. Um, so just to introduce you to everybody, this is Drew Cost from Drew Cost <laughs> Fitness. Uh, and Drew is actually uh, my first fitness coach when I moved to Connecticut from Massachusetts. Uh, so he taught me my very first class as a new resident of the state. So tell me a little bit about your background. So my name is Drew Koss. I'm honored to be on this podcast. A uh, little bit of my background. I've been fitness coaching for about, about 12 years, um, more so uh, when I met Kristen, Olympic lifting and CrossFit and things like that. And then slowly transitioned into just fitness boxing and and content creation. So a little little shift, but still in the fitness uh, fitness arena. That's great. And how did you get your start in fitness? Like on a on a personal level, not in training, but when did fitness become a part of your life? Um, about two thousand and eight, uh, I had a someone had made a bet with me that I couldn't last in the gym longer than three months. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I ended up winning the bet because I lasted longer than three months. And then uh, after that, I just fell in love with uh, the challenge of it, the whole aspect of being able to change how my body looked or to change just how um, strong I could become. And after that, I just I stayed with it after that. So it became a part of my life in 2008 and it hasn't it hasn't left changed That's hasn't fantastic left. kind of more now you used to do some bodybuilding didn't you yeah I used to compete in bodybuilding about 2011 um I actually liked I liked that I didn't like the actual being on stage part uh because it's, it's just so uh different mm -hmm. different but that was my first uh competition scenery was was bodybuilding in about 2011 oh, that's great so do you have um, kind of a personal philosophy or mission statement for your professional fitness life? Um, mine's is it should make sense for the season in your life. Um, fitness will change. Well, actually, fitness doesn't change. How you view it might change based on how much time you have in life, if you're doing different business ventures, all that stuff. Um, case in point, I think you and I used to be diehard CrossFit fans. Oh yeah. And <laughs> when we met and yep. we spent hours, hours working out, mm -hmm. I don't think we're doing that at no. some of our lives. Yeah, completely different. And like, I really resonate with what you said there because like my personal fitness journey has changed dramatically mm -hmm. over the years. It was, you know, harder, faster, stronger, you know, max out, get as strong as possible. Just try to be the best competing with yourself, competing with everybody else. Just like, go, 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 go. And then it was like, you know, it takes an injury to all of a sudden pump the brakes, 
and say, oh, I can't do that anymore. Um, I need to take a step back and reevaluate everything that I'm doing fitness wise. Yeah. It can be hard, but you, it's something that you have to do. So, I mean, I've personally morphed from CrossFit to Olympic lifting, dabbled back more into what I'm not going to call it CrossFit, but more strength and conditioning. Mm. Um, was kind of doing my own thing. I was coaching others with an Olympic lifting over at CrossFit mm. Relentless. I hurt my back. And then, I mean, I was doing pure bar. I, I was, you know, going from Olympic lifting to doing bar workouts. Um, so it was what I had to do to change throughout the seasons of my life and what yeah. I could do at the time. And now here I am, I'm moving back into more programmed lifting and strength and conditioning. I personally now follow power athlete programming, their remote programming. Fantastic. Love them. But it's been really interesting to get back into the weightlifting world because it's, again, even though I'm still doing it, it's so different than when I was doing it back in 2016, 2014, all back then. So different, you know, I'm rarely touching a barbell. I don't, care at all what weight is on the bar i'm not competing with anybody and my goals now are not to win and to be the best my goals are to just be able to keep training and keep moving yeah and that's huge because you you start to think and i don't think it has to do with age i think it has to do with more so what season are you in in your life like Mm -hmm. do you need to be chasing competitions do you need to be chasing PRs or do you need to lift because you still want to look good you still want to move and you don't want to keep uh increasing the rate of injuries exactly as you get older no matter if you compete in any sport as you as you age the injuries will come if you don't find a way to work uh with your body with your season like they they will come no matter what they sneak up on you quick (laughs) yeah they, I don't think they sneak. I think they actually, they're like, give us a little like tap. Yep. And we're just like, push through it. And the next thing yep, you know. Yep, you ignore it. You say, no, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so where are you, um, where are you coaching and training now? So I'm an independent contractor still. Um, I coach out of underdog. I just do my um, personal training there and I just teach a class uh, for them. Uh, I had a big shift where I was going to leave fitness completely and just pick a different career, yep. do it for myself. Um, like you said, like sometimes you you lose that, either that passion, that love for it. Yep. So I um I had a good deal with Underdog where I can be an independent contractor. So if I just decide one day I want to move or something like that, I can do that. So I'm right in West Hartford, right at um Underdog MMA. Oh, that's great. So when you are coaching your, your current fitness clients, what do you see as the biggest obstacles for your clients? What's the biggest obstacle that you see in, in your clientele when it comes to them achieving their goals? Their, their ability to enjoy the journey. Mm. Um, I always tell my clients or anybody who will ask for fitness, for fitness advice, you have enough stress in your life with your job and with relationships and all of that stuff fitness does not need to be one of those stressors fitness should be one of the things that you get to do to feel better look better accomplish some goals so the moment you find yourself stressing it you've made fitness a job again Mm -hmm. and unless you're getting paid as an athlete 
it's not a job. It's it's not a all or nothing. It's more yeah. so how can I find a way to enjoy this journey? And that comes with um, I have an athlete recently who was known for uh, powerlifting, like known for it. And recently uh, they came and we had a long talk and I was like, you could not powerlift. You could do CrossFit. You could do bodybuilding you can do bar you can do yoga you can do whatever you want but you have to find the enjoyment and that's usually the biggest barrier uh, i think because wouldn't blame social media social media is what it is i think people just see people looking a certain way yeah and they think they have to look like that mm-hmm. to see that they've been doing fitness which is the biggest the biggest obstacle such an individualized thing and a different journey for every person in your class absolutely it's like you're all doing the same things together together but it's for a completely different purpose and everybody's going through that different journey internally and mentally absolutely Uh, absolutely yeah so how would you um kind of set yourself apart from other fitness professionals like what what does drew bring to the table for his fitness clients i don't care about fitness i care about the person and that sounds so strange because i'm a fitness coach I just honestly believe I'm a fitness coach because I I know movements and things like that. I know mm-hmm. programming, but there's 80,000 people who can outdo me in that area. But there's not a ton of coaches who can outdo me in how they actually care about showing a client how we can progress you in life mm-hmm. outside of your barbell lifting or your boxing or things like that. So just caring. And honestly, I'm... I know strength training more than I do fitness boxing, but mm-hmm. fitness boxing separates me because most people don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's an easy way, but just showing, <laughs> showing someone like, Hey, we can help you in life too. So that you look at fitness as a holistic uh, picture versus just go hit the barbell, just hit the back. Uh, it becomes more so something that you can use for your entire life. So you're almost kind of more of a, a life coach with a fitness bias. That's exactly what it is. You're kind of coaching people through life and their difficulties and journeys and obstacles and utilizing fitness as a tool to do that. You hit it in the nail. <laughs> Perfect. You, you I mean, that's great. Nail. I mean, honestly, so many coaches out there and I've met a lot of them, you know, they they almost take. And I mean, and I under I can understand this where they take it personally that they want you to be succeeding, but success to them might be, you know, you winning a competition or you putting a number on the bar um, when that might not be why you're there. Uh, So it's nice to have a wide variety of different types of coaches out there that can resonate with what your different goals are. And if your goal is to win, uh, you know, a powerlifting competition obviously your coaching is going to be a little bit different, but if you're looking to just try to be healthy and to get your mind right, I like your approach. Yeah. My whole, my whole thing is what well, I haven't, I've met you maybe in 2000 and maybe 13, 14, 2013, 14. Yeah. And we're on a podcast in 2022. Yep. Goal is to build relationships, mm-hmm. build relationships that can last longer than us crushing PRs together. Or I tell people, if your goal is to be a number one competitor, I'm not your coach. Yep. I will give you advice to let you know how hard that avenue is going to be in case you in case you want to change it. It's, it's mm-hmm. not going to be a walk in the park like, 
just because I want it, it's going to happen. So yeah. my thing is, if I build relationships with those people, they they may leave and I may still be a good friend to them or they may realize he helped me out with some area in my life that I can I can take uh, further than I took like that last PR I just had. Mm-hmm. So for somebody that has like just been on the couch, you know, maybe fitness hasn't been a part of their life ever. Uh, or maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe they were a high school athlete, but decades have gone by. Life gets in the way, family, kids, work, everything. And you're taking somebody now that has had a sedentary lifestyle, maybe not the healthiest lifestyle. Where do you start with them? Like what's step one? Step one is honestly, let's figure out some rewards you want. Um, I like to sort of start off with rewards because there's an incentive now to get you to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, step three would be, can we accomplish a 10 minute walk once a week? Yep. Down and you can break that up seven days a week. It's like mm-hmm. a half a minute or whatever. And then the third one is um, accountability. Let's check in to see if we actually did that. Most people will, will surpass that. Yep. So like I can do a 10 minute walk three times a week. Cool. I'm only asking for one. I can check in. Cool. Uh, but doing that is you have to make getting to the door so easy that they feel that I'd be, I'd be cheating everyone if I didn't get to that door. Mm-hmm. You can't make it, you know, get to the gym five days a week. That's hard for an athlete sometimes, yeah. let alone someone sedentary. So really, really small. What's the rewards you want? Uh, can we get you to move 10 minutes a week? And then can we get you to check in? usually that pattern we just start to simply increase increase and then we just keep putting the ball in their court mm-hmm. to your new reward uh what's the goal you want to go towards how many minutes you want to work out this weekend people end up having a lot of success that way they don't they don't need to be having a huge goal that's going to make them go back to the couch yeah yeah i think that's really important for people um, you know, starting out fresh or even somebody like myself who took a lot of time off of regular training due to injury and life, trying to get back into it is like the hardest part. Getting started is so hard and it's not physically hard. I mean, sure. You're going to feel sore. You're going to go through the motions, but it is so mentally challenging to change a routine, to start yeah. to do something regularly, to do that thing that's uncomfortable, yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. thing that's going to make you tired. You know, you're exhausted. You've had a long day at work or with your kids or your family and all your other responsibilities. And you know what you have to do. You have the time to do it. There's no reason why you shouldn't <laughs> be there. Uh, and you just struggle mentally to get yourself there. So I think it's so important to have those really small attainable goals. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to check off more boxes. You don't want to feel, because if you start failing right off the bat, you're going to get super discouraged and it's over. It's game over. You don't want to keep going. And you're like, screw this. I'm going back to the couch, you know? So having that positive reinforcement, you know, and I don't like to look at it as like, oh, do you need a cookie? You know, you need always need a reward. You know, you need a a medal to do something, but I don't think it's that level. I think it is tiny micro dosing of rewards of being like, I did that. And now I can feel proud. That's it. The amount of that pride you feel good and you want to keep doing it the amount of stress that people have gone through 
from the pandemic up until now is not even over in their heads. Yes. So to 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 expect so much out of a human right now is a challenge in itself. Um, sure. Something that you said that was that was key, like getting back into fitness can be mentally hard because you're fighting against. I used to be going six days a week. I used to be mm -hmm. unstoppable, cleaning, jerking this amount of weight. Yeah. And I told a friend of mine recently, he's gotten back into fitness. I just told him, don't ever look at starting over. Just look at, I'm starting from where I'm at in my life right now. Yes. That's that's all. You don't need to break any records. You don't yep. need to go and demolish any of your old uh, numbers. It's just where you're at. But like you said, with the reward, I'm not going to tell the person like, hey, every week you should reward yourself with two double cheeseburgers and it. <laughs> The reward should be like, all right, let's let's a reward that I've used for a lot of times. Every time I work out, I used to put a dollar in a jar. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. And by the end of like 40 days, I look at the jar, I'm like, all right, this is something that I earned. I would go get myself something fitness related. Yep. You just pour back into it. So humans humans need rewards. Mm -hmm. they, just can't, they just can't be like you you went for at day 80. I can't be rewarding you for taking a one minute walk. No, no, I agree. <laughs> we kind of have to have a sliding scale. Here, yeah, it has, so. to like, it has to be like, all right, cool. Like we should have progressed, but yeah. people have stress. That's where the life coaching comes in at. Mm -hmm. I know people have had a lot of stress and a lot of personal changes. So asking them to do something big is, is foolish at that time. They, yeah. they can't do it at that time. I know in some of my experience with coaching other people, and I'm, I, I don't even need to ask you if you've experienced this. I know you have, you've seen a client break down in front of you because, and it's not because they physically can't do something or, you know, they're about to drop on the floor. It's, it's up here and they get in their own way and they feel overwhelmed by what is being asked of them, yeah. or they've never had to push themselves mentally through um, this level of, of physical pain, sometimes exercise hurts, not in a bad way, but in a, in a positive way, but it's mm -hmm. a new sensation and it can be really overwhelming and emotional for some people. Um, so it's, I used to watch people break down, you know, even, and I was coaching Olympic lifting, you know, I wasn't doing, you know, a lot of them were beginners. It was the, a range from beginner intermediate to even a little bit more advanced. And, it's, it's mental. It blows my mind how mental exercise is. It's something that we think is so physical, Barely. but it's literally like 80% up here. Your body's going to move. Even if you're <laughs> overweight, yeah. out of shape, you know, you struggle with range of motion. You're going to get there just by showing up and doing it. Your body's going to change. You don't have to do that. Your body's going to change without you even having to think about it, yeah. but it's your mental mindset and that mental toughness and just going through and releasing like trauma. I find that exercise can really release a lot of trauma. And when you're breaking down from going through something really difficult physically within this moment, you're releasing things from inside of you that have been trapped yeah. in there for a long time. And you're bawling on the floor. You're not bawling on the floor because you couldn't do that extra push up. That is not why you are in tears. You are in tears because you are having that trauma release and that emotional release. 
Absolutely. And I think that, you know, there's so much therapy that goes into to exercise and just general training. That's what made me go the route of life coaching inside of it. Mm-hmm. Because for years, I I think I've probably seen so many people like literally sit there, cry, yep. just not finish working out and us just talking and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize these are the spaces where this is needed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because most people won't just hire a life coach. Yeah. Um, should they? That's up to them, but they won't. So seeing that many breakdowns and things like that. And then myself, like there are times where I just felt like I knew I could physically squat this and I just couldn't do it. Yeah. Breaking down and you're thinking it's the barbell winning. It's like, mm-hmm. no, something happened in a relationship fight you just had last night that yep. came out or <laughs> years back or, or something like that. So fitness has that way of bringing that out. And that's why I think coaches should be more careful to not, to understand how you push an athlete. Yes. Because if you're going to push them to a breaking point or pushing them past their comfort zone, you almost have to be able to support when they get there, what happens. Yes. Or else you leave them, you almost leave them damaged. Yes. Or leave them, you leave them open. And now they go home thinking something's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. They feel oh. like they've failed when exactly. they're going to, fo- they're going to micro focus on that failure that they might not have even been ready to attempt at this point. Exactly. And they're not going to think about how the whole rest of their training session and time went that day and all the success that they had just by showing up and putting in that time. And yeah. all that 99% of their training session was so much more impactful and meaningful than that 1% that they're going to be remembering. Exactly. And if you look at it like that, we probably would have way more happier people doing fitness. Yeah. It's our mindset that thinks, oh, you you messed up on that one push up. Mm-hmm. You're not going to credit yourself for being in the gym four days a week for seven months in a row. You're going to think yeah. about that one push up. And that's how our minds are conditioned to just go towards the negativity versus like what's what's positive. Mm-hmm. They give us a, a longer, more more enjoyable fitness journey if we thought like that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Now, have you noticed big differences in how you train men versus women? Absolutely. Um, men usually don't want to do a lot of talking mm-hmm. about anything outside of what they're actually doing. Yep. And I don't think that's because they're close-minded or anything like that. I just think I don't think men have the ability to focus on more than one thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just what it is. And a woman could be cooking dinner in her head, yeah. boxing and shoveling snow in her head uh-huh. all at once. So, <laughs> right. That's all a really at once. good point. <laughs> so when you talk to them, that's when you talk is like, when you talk and coach them, you realize which, which part of this person am I talking to at this moment? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's harder. Um, it's different. Men just yeah. come. What do I have to do? They finish. They leave. Uh, women are a little different. They, I've never coached a woman who could walk right in and start training. Mm-hmm. They need some type of conversation, some type of checking in with how they're doing. And yep. that's, that's perfectly fine. I wish I knew that when I first started coaching. Yeah. There's like a little bit more of an emotional aspect of it and needing to feel connected and comfortable. Uh, and safe. Yep. And safe. And I wish I knew that when I first started. Yeah. Uh, it's so important. 
All right. So I have a little fun part here for us. We're going to play yeah. a little round of some quick fire questions so that yeah. our viewers can get to know you a little bit more. Okay. Um, so some of these are super simple and some of them have a little bit more thought, but just kind of fire away the first things that come to your mind. Cool, cool. What's your favorite color? Blue. Blue. What would you consider to be one of the worst social media trends right now? Um dancing to um dancing to like trendy music <laughs> what would be your favorite social media trend um being honest and real you're Either. not these are i feel like everybody feels the same way about these things let's fix this with the algorithm let's fix it do you have um, a favorite podcast that you like to listen to, like for entertainment purposes? I don't have one for entertainment. All the podcasts I listen to are always some form of like either self-development or are studying like uh, ways of, of content. But I need that to rolls into my next one would be what would your favorite podcast be for more education and self-improvement? Uh, one I listen to heavy is called Social Proof by David Shands. Um, I listen to that and Alex Hermosi has one. Uh, those, I can live on those probably for the rest of my life. Just add those to my list. Yeah, they're great. Are you reading anything right now? I am. I'm reading a book by Adam Grant called Rethinking. Um, I think that's the title. It's in my car right now. And it's amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Do you have an all-time favorite book? I do. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Uh, that book changed my life a lot. Excellent. Excellent choice. What would your favorite word be? Transformation. What would your least favorite word be? Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Rocky IV when he fights Ivan Drago. Oh, it's the best one. The best one. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favorite musical artist? Robert Glasper. He's a jazz artist. Mm, love some good jazz. Yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll love him. Do you have a favorite artist, non-musical? Favorite artist, non-musical? I don't, yeah, I wouldn't say I would, no. Don't follow just like the regular artwork. Not many people do. No, it's a it's a photographer I follow. Um, His name is James. He's on Instagram. He's a, he's a monster. He's amazing. Oh, excellent. What's your favorite food or favorite meal? Favorite food is honestly chicken. Um, favorite meal is anything with mac and cheese. It could be any combo. Love it. Love it. What's your favorite place to visit? Um, it's kind of corny right now. It's it's the Glastonbury Library. Hmm. Um, and it's because... It's a section in the library where I do my best clear thinking and all of that. And it's a space where like no one would ever know you're there because. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah. So special to have that little sanctuary for yeah, yourself. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So this is a really loaded question. Okay. Who's your favorite person in the world? My favorite person. I might get in trouble for this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's a loaded question. There's an asterisk next to all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get this one. My favorite person 
is my three-year-old Aaliyah. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Right. I may get in trouble, but I think I <laughs> You can't get in trouble for your dog. Know, right? your right? right? <laughs> what gives you purpose? Uh, knowing that my my voice matters and it, it can help someone uh, get through some difficulties in life. If you could give your 18-year-old self some advice, what would it be? Network more, take more risks. Uh, don't be scared of being different. Good. Who's your role model? My role model is my mom. Um, I've, I think I've seen my mom fight through. I can't even like name the amount of trials and storms and all of that stuff. And uh, to see her uh, get through them and not be bitter. Mm-hmm. Because um, it's someone I ascribe to be like. It sounds like she just has that positive attitude and positive outlook. I don't know what's what it's called, but <laughs> I, I couldn't have that. So we have a super, super important final question. Yeah. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate all day. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> all yes. right. Any last final words, Drew? This was really great. It was so good to catch up with oh, you. Thank you. Thank you. Last words. Um, I'm so proud of Kristen. Uh, for what she's doing and I know this podcast is going to touch tons of lives I'm so happy she started it and everybody who's listening uh, be great wherever you are at love yourself and love other people love that thank you so much for joining me let's plan on having you back you know a couple months from now let's chat again I feel like our conversation could very easily go on for more absolutely I'd be honored All right. Awesome. It was so good to see you, Drew. And let's touch base. Okay. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Just a Pinch podcast was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Kristen Jem. 